Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Garen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a brand new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Happy November, everyone. This is Garen. And I'm Dan. And yes, we're very excited to welcome the month of November. Why, you ask? Because this month... The newest Wizards of the Coast supplement for 5th edition is getting released, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. And to celebrate, we are making Magic the Gathering characters all month long, using the supplements that are already available on DM's Guild, which include Plane Shift, Amonkent, Kaladesh, Zandikar, Dominaria, Innistrad, and of course, the supplement previously featured on our show, Plane Shift Ixalan. That's right, Garen. And the final week of November, we'll be showcasing material from the Bell of the Ball, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which we expect to be a whopper of great player options material. But first, we're so very excited to kick off this series we're featuring all November long by carrying a bit of Halloween spirit over into our episode this week in Innistrad. For those of you not familiar with the world of Innistrad, it is so very worth checking out. The plane is primarily populated by humans, but they are perpetually live in fear of a number of creatures that roam the lands in moonlit darkness of the plains. Zombies, werewolves, vampires, and ghosts are certainly no strangers to this dark world's four provinces, the inhabitants of two of which we'll be featuring in the show today. As Plane Shift Innistrad supplement has custom racial features for the humans within the four provinces, Provinces of Innistrad. Very unique flavor here. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, let me just briefly gloss over the rules of our show. We'll be scoring our character creations against nine criteria. Melee damage output, range damage output, burninating, which is the magic damage, control in and out of battle, tankiness, or how well they can take a hit, or what kind of healing abilities they have, ally assist, what abilities they have that can help their fellow party members, balance, how optimized is this character, probably the only category in which we take pride getting a low score in, and the smooth operator and spitting fire sections where we have role-playing scenario that we must determine how the PC would handle it in a smooth and aggressive manner. These categories often use charisma-based skills, but can also use spells, background features, or whatever else we can think of. Now, each of us will get a one challenge roll per episode where we can make the other person earn the score that they're arguing for. The role will use the Charisma modifier for a Persuasion check. The various scores have a different DC, and if the person meets or exceeds the DC, the score is achieved. If they fail, they must take the score below of which they are arguing. Now that I've confused the hell out of you with that giant paragraph, let me go ahead and introduce you to my resident of Stensia, one of the darkest and most mysterious provinces of Innistrad. His name is Grimsht Kelvin. Grimsht? is not known by the people in Stensia. However, they do see his dilapidated, presumably empty cabin near the castles where the vampires dwell. He has worked 
as a contracted extension of the vampires for over 20 years. He figures that the power and influence of the vampires in Innistrad is so overwhelming that he had to do something to ensure his own survival. He works to lure children towards the castles of the vampires and even begins the bleeding process in some of the prey. He and his faithful undead raven keep watch at night and day for potential prey, and thus the vampires enjoy an agreement which they share with Grimsht. Having studied vampiric history with stacks and stacks of books lining the walls of his dim and gloomy cottage, Grimsht is not naive to the fact that one day these vampires may choose to dispose of him too, as he is a human after all. Fear not, however, he comes prepared for such an instance. Grimsht is a level 5 Stencia human of the Necrophagy Wizard out of Midgard Hero's Handbook. Of the Hermit background, he is lawful neutral now you may think he is evil but he's only doing this for his own survival and he does not enjoy having do having to do this on behalf of the vampires but he is just looking out for his own hide i'm surprised to hear this story i i really thought that dr seuss's lesser known book how the grinch stole children had never really seen the light of day but <laughs> well it, it to be fair it hasn't seen the light of day because in innistrad it it isn't ever light outside so. oh shut up you nerd i like your character he's got levels sounds fun i'm interested to hear this class that you pulled out of Midgard as well, and I don't recall that one. All right, well, I want to introduce you to Desi. Desi is a Keswick girl. She is a 12-year-old girl that works on her father's farm, helping her out in the fields with her older brothers, or helping him out in the fields with her older brothers. Uh, one night while she was bringing in some of the corn, she heard something rustling through some of the stalks that were still standing. Before she could turn around, she was attacked on the back by a creature that just slashed her across the shoulder blades. Her brothers heard her scream and came running, and the creature was gone by the time they got there. She was brought home, but immediately developed a terrible fever. They feared that she was getting sicker and sicker, and when they left her alone that night, she saw fur start to grow all the way down her arms. She snuck out in the night, knowing immediately what had happened to her. She did not want to commit her family to that same fate, and she ran off into the woods where she lived off old mushrooms and anything else she could find in the woods. She periodically made her way back to her family's farm to try to protect them from the other creatures she knew was out there. But unfortunately, she was also hunted by her father and her brothers, who thought she was the creature that killed their little girl and took her away in the night. So I would like to introduce you to Desi, a Keswick human, using the farmer background. She is two levels Druid Circle of the Spores because of the mushrooms she eats. And she is three levels Barbarian Path of the Beast Within from Saloon's Gaze by Benjamin Eastman and Matt Dunn. This is a new supplement that we have not featured on the show before, which offers character options for Eberron. But this is a lycanthropy-based barbarian, which is perfect for Innistrad because, as we mentioned, there are werebeasts in this dark, dark world. Very cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about this. Definitely, Innistrad has a little bit more of the dark theme going on here, so you're going to see probably a little bit darker characters this week out of out of the two of us, which is nothing new for me. So Yeah, we're going dark. Mad dark. And while we do enjoy making these dark, smoky characters, it's something we really love in the lab. We also really appreciate that a DM that concentrates heavily on immersing her or his players within the world she or he is trying to build. That is why today I am lighting a Dungeon Depths candle 
by Cantrip Candles. They're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world. Musty taverns, libraries full of arcane texts, or the one we just lit up, Dungeon Depths. The lack of sunlight and perpetual dampness are on full display with this candle, with its musty, dank notes of dust, stale water, and stone. Just one whiff makes me think twice before using the strength check to bust down the heavy castle door. But to be honest, you can find any scent for any of your adventure settings with their sampler pack, which offers nine of their scents for a great low price. Once you decide you want to buy every single one of their scents, we are happy to announce you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, all one word, at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Well, thank you, Garen, and Cantrip Candles for that message. Now, why don't you go ahead and keep it rolling by getting us started in the melee category this week? Happy to do it, Dan. I have a barbarian druid, so you know I'm coming in hot with that wolf shapeshift. But with I that, also... Well, well, that, with that wolf shit. That's more of a ranged attack, though. You're throwing dookies? Well, I'm throwing dookies, but I'm throwing it as a finesse weapon. Because if... I am not a werewolf. You might have got the idea that I was a werewolf from my story, but it was a mysterious creature. You know what it actually was? Were-rat. Oh, were-rat. Gross. Yuck. Because the Path of the Beast Within allows you to choose a, basically like choosing a totem from the classic barbarian beast paths. In this, I chose the were-rat, which allows me to get my rage bonus damage added to finesse weapons. So now I can use my dex modifier, but still get that rage damage. I can also make reckless attacks with finesse weapons. So this little girl, she would not be wielding a great axe. She's wielding a scimitar. Plus six to hit, one D6 plus three. Got that rage damage, got that wolf shit. I'm arguing a plus one. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely worthy of a plus one. Now, here I, I'm arguing a zero. I have a quarter staff with a plus three to hit, which deals out one D6 bludgeoning. What do you say? I'd say that's a minus one. Okay, I agree. Moving into ranged, I'm gonna keep it real smooth and simple. Minus two, I have nothing. Okay, you're starting off hot, hot, hot. Yes, yes. I am going to argue a zero. I have a short bow, plus six to hit, 1d6 plus three. Uh, that's pretty close to the quarter staff that I just argued, so I think you're going to take a minus one as well. No, I can't argue that. Okay, but let's talk burninating damage. Whew. Because I have got that circle of the spores druid. Did I say it before in my episode, the hags episode where I made this character? Circle of the Spores is one of the coolest druid options out there. I agree. And you've actually made a hybrid of the two characters that we both created in the Hags episode. I created a an eight-year-old girl, and you created a Circle of Spores druid. So I think you just basically listened to that episode, combined the two, and, and called it a brand new concept. But I added four years to her age, and I gave her a family. <laughs> fine, fine, fair. I've got the Halo of Spores, which deals three poison damage as a reaction while it's activated. I can also use my Symbiotic Entity to expend a use of Wild Shape to bump that up to six damage as a reaction. And I get 1d6 poison to all melee attacks. I do not have any magic damage when it comes to my spells. I am saving those for other categories. So these things considered, I am arguing a zero. Nah, I think you're more of a minus one, but that, that you do have... No, some... no, no, no. This is a zero. This is six automatic poison damage as a reaction every turn and 1d6 poison on my regular attack. That is magic oh, it's, damage it's, every turn. It's every turn. Okay, okay, yes. Zero is, is warranted. I thought Sweet. there was a number of times, you know, or maybe once per long rest. But That's that, what that makes is... the Halo of Spores so cool. There is no limit to it. 
I really do like it. It just expends your reaction. That's the cost. Okay. Well, here I'm arguing a plus two. No surprise. I have Infestation and Chromatic Orb, which, just to remind, it's 2d6 and 3d8, respectively. But to act as a bit of a warning sign not to come any closer, this would be the first spell I would cast if I saw an angry party approaching a vampire's dwelling with wooden stakes and flaming torches. It would be Freezing Fog, which is a spell from Midgard's, Midgard Heroes Handbook. It creates a 20-foot radius sphere of mist similar to Fog Cloud, but it's centered on a point you can see within range. It spreads around corners, and its area is heavily obscured. So if somebody passes through it or ends their turn in the fog, they take 2d6 cold damage, and they gain a level of exhaustion. Uh, a successful con save would half the amount of damage that is taken. And then, of course, for every level that you do above that, you can raise it by 1d6. Now, to get the bleeding started, maybe they're coming a little close. They're getting close to the vampire's dwelling. I'd cast Frozen Razors, which is a third level evocation out of Midgar's Heroes Handbook. And razor sharp blades of ice erupt from the ground or surface, filling a 20 foot cube centered on a point you can see within range, which is 90 feet. For the duration, the area is lightly obscured and is difficult terrain. A creature that moves more than five feet into or inside the area takes 2d6 slashing and 3d6 cold, or half as much with a successful deck save. Creature that Wolf. takes cold damage from frozen razors is reduced to half speed until the start of his next turn. I also have Dark Bolt, which is another one out of Midgard Heroes Handbook. It's a second level evocation spell, and it basically gives you three rays of darkness or shadow that you can throw. Uh, you basically make each target make a ranged spell attack against them. Now, you only have to make that attack one time. If you want to expend all three of them at the same target, you only make the attack one time, and then you can hurl these things at them. And each one does 1d10 cold damage. So if you succeed Damn. on one target... Yeah, if you succeed on one target, you can automatically hurl all three of them. If you miss on one target, maybe switch to another target, you, mi you make it, then you can hurl the remaining two at them. So I think it's a pretty cool spell. Uh, I haven't now, seen anything like that. That is really neat. Yeah, so I, I think all of that stuff considered, there's some pretty powerful magic there. And really, what I themed this around was, I act as a protector of the vampires for when these people are just wanting to rush them in. I'm thinking of something kind of like uh, Curse of Strahd when you are marching towards uh, Strahd's castle. They, they kind of see you coming. I'm kind of the first go-to guy that nobody sees me, but I'm kind of contracting. My raven lets me know that they're coming, and I start using ranged magic to light them up, get them bleeding, get them exhausted, maybe make them a little bit second guess coming this way. <laughs> I like the idea of imagining a party of like level 12 whatever characters near the end of their came march marching to Strahd's castle and your little level 5 guy pops out and you're just like, frozen razors! Fuck you! And, and they knock you off a cliff. One other spell that I had was Shadow Bite, which is a cantrip out of Midgard Heroes Handbook, and it basically makes a needle of cold, sharp pain in the target creature. They they have to make a successful con save, they, or they take 2d6 necrotic damage, which I also kind of envisioned this to be more like, maybe like a little shadow vampire bat bites them on the neck, and they take necrotic yeah. damage. Yeah. A lot of really cool spells here. I'm arguing a plus two. Well, I'm arguing a roll. Fair enough. Grimsch's charisma is a negative one. Ooh. He is a hermit, so. Oh, yeah. And I rolled a four, so I will take a one. I'm happy about that. So, Keswick people have a feature called Sure-Footed, where I can take the dash action over difficult terrain, and it doesn't cost extra movement. I like that. 
I also have a spring attack as being a Kessig, where I can make a melee attack against a creature. I don't provoke opportunity attacks for the rest of the turn, whether I hit it or not. So that is a cool way to imagine I'm slashing them with my scimitar. Maybe I miss and I want to look for a different angle. I can back off without any danger. I like that. I also have as being a were-rat while I'm raging, I can take hide as a bonus action. Taking a little bit of a roguish action there. It is. It's a little roguey barbarian. I like that. The were-rat, you know, is a little slinkier. Obviously, they're they're focused on your decks, which is perfect for the Kessig where I got the plus one decks as part of my modifier. I also have a spell from Microbes of Malice, you may remember, called Rapid Inflammation. Oh, yes. Good spell. A level one spell that gives a target disadvantage on dexterity checks and saving throws if it hits. I also found a new little set of spells, a supplement called Spells of the Shattered Temple by an author called Ed Westwick. And one of those spells is Shed Skin. This is a spell that allows allows you to remove the skin that you're wearing and it can end the grappled condition immediately. You also- Oh, that is so cool! You also drop anything that you are wearing or carrying because you, you just slink out into a fresh set of naked skin. Oh, I love that. But for a first level spell, immediately ending grappled condition, that's perfect. I really like uh, the spells that you chose here for for this specific uh, section. And for our listeners that are not familiar, Microbes of Malice is written by Garen himself. So go ahead and check that out. It's a buck on DM's Guild. Thank you, Dan. I'm going to end my argument by saying the downside is that Desi has Lycanthropy, which... If you know the rules of the game, she can't control herself when she gets taken over by the were-rat. So I'm arguing a zero because that is a lack of control. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I agree. You're honest. That was good. I'm arguing a plus one here. I did mention that I, I'm aware that the vampires may turn on me one day, especially as, you know, population decreases and this and this and that, global warming, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a spell called Blessed Halo, which casts a bright heavenly light within a 40-foot radius of me, which is just immediate, like, armor. So that's pretty good control against the vampires in this world. But a feature of the Necrophagy wizard is an undead familiar, which is super cool. Now, oh, yeah. this is purely flavor, purely. Mine is a pet raven who has fantastic dark vision and passive perception of 13. So he has the ability to cast spells while within 100 feet of me. So he gives me an, an extra 100 foot range on those spells. And he has the ability to mimic, which I think is super super fun in role-playing settings. I imagine that this raven would be up in a tree at most times near me, but not many people would be paying attention to it. But it probably doesn't have much of its uh, hide or feathers left. It's probably mostly skeleton, missing an eye, just a, you know, totally creepy pet to have. He also alerts me when people are coming near my property, which I think is great control. Sleep, charm, person, cause fear. Uh, The charm person is there if he's ever seen in public, so not as draw to attention to the fact that he's probably incredibly pale, bad looking, and he's probably not the nicest guy in the world. So with all that considered, I think maybe a plus one. Okay, those are nice. A lot is hinging on your familiar there. Tell me this, for the plus one, what do you and your dead raven do when you guys are just alone in your house and there aren't any kids to bleed out? Oh, so I smoke a pipe and he actually knows how to smoke it too. And the, he, when he inhales it, the smoke comes out of his rib cage because it, there's no feathers or skin. So he does little tricks, like smoke tricks, out of his rib cage. Pretty cool. We pass a Fuck lot yeah, of one. time doing. Yeah, we do a lot. We pass a lot of time doing that. That is absolutely worthy of a plus one. Good answer. <laughs> Moving into tankiness, I'm going to zero here. 
you may think for a wizard, you know, I'm going to be a total piece of crap when it comes to this. I'm not. Because I am a Stencia human, it basically gives you the tough feet right off the bat. So that plus my plus three con modifier gives me a, a total of 55 HP with an AC of 11. It's pretty hard to kill my Raven because he gets a con saving throw, which is DC five plus whatever damage was taken. And then if he succeeds, he stays at one HP because he's undead as fuck. So <laughs> these things considered, uh, 55 HP for a level five wizard is averaging 11 HP per level for a D6 class. So I think I'm worthy of a zero here. Oh gosh. Yeah. That is the meatiest wizard I've heard in a while. Good for you on that. So how tanky is you? I'm arguing a plus two, of course. Not only am I a barbarian and a druid, I have got the symbiotic entity, which adds six temporary hit points using one of my wild shapes. And I got the rage resistance. I got 65 HP, 15 AC. Come on. Ooh. You're going to roll here. Oh, that's okay, because Ben Potts gave me advantage on this roll. Ah, Definitely getting that plus two now. Here we go. I have a plus one charisma modifier. 16 or better. First roll is a 15. Oh, come on, come on, second roll. A 12. Oh, damn oh. It. You tried, well, Ben. Take, take that, that plus, plus one. one. So before we move into how you help your friends, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners how they can help us here at the D&D Character Lab, a.k.a. their friends. We are so your friends, guys. And you know how you can help us? We got a variety of ways. You could become a patron on our Patreon at a minimum of a dollar, all the way up to 20 bucks. We've got the Discord where you can come in. We're there every day. We have got pop culture characters that we build. We got bonus episodes, early access to our regular show, way, way more. We're adding new channels to Discord and having fun. We're statting out a baby, just taking a picture of a stock baby and figuring out what its stats were. It was a wizard. Excellent answer, Levi. We also have supplements available on DMs Guild for just a buck, like Microbes and Ballots, which I used in this episode. Search Garen Jones, and you can see all the great stuff we have to offer. Or our Ability Score shirts that are always on sale, maximum and minimum, and minimum values for each Ability Score in a box on your chest. I often show off to friends that I have one wisdom, because I'm just being honest in this world. Proceeds of all these things go directly to help the show and support us and help us keep growing. That's right, Garen. Those shirts are always on sale for a low, low price of no one will buy them. It's a great deal. <laughs> we'll write you guys a coupon that just says, I'm sorry. <laughs> so here's how Desi helps her friends. I've got a first level spell out of that supplement that I got called Greater Mending. You put your hands on an object that's been broken in order to repair it. You can choose one of the following traits. You can repair any object that can fit within a five foot cube. You can temporarily return any magic to an item for 1d8 days. You cannot Ooh. use greater mending for this effect twice on one item. You or, find an old arcane item from a temple or something that you can tell used to be magic, and you can restore the magic to that for up to 8 days? That's yes. huge. Cool. Or it could be terrible. It could be a cursed thing. Which would be just the greatest way to find out. Yeah. And the final option is to restore the health to a construct or undead by 1d10 plus spellcasting modifier. I also have a cantrip called origami. You magically fold tiny pieces of paper uh, within range. You choose one of the following shapes. A boat that floats on water. It can hold up to a pound and it moves at five feet per round. It does not sink. It's able to carry tiny objects. 
You can have a crane that flies with a flying speed of 10 feet. You can mentally direct it to move and name a location that you know of. It'll fly there and then become inert. A dog with a speed of 10 feet, it barks if any hostile creature comes within 10 feet of you and then the dog becomes inert. A flower that is controlled by the time of day, it is open during the day and closed at night. Just a beautiful little flower, no other features. And finally, a samurai that has a movement speed of five feet. You can mentally direct the samurai to move. The samurai always points his sword the direction of the nearest castle or fort. These are all fun little kind of utility features that I can use to help my friends. We're navigating our way out in the wild and you can have five of these pieces of paper active at once. What do you think of that? Well, whatever floats your boat. Ah, I got a one pound of floatage. (laughs) So what are you arguing here to help your friends? I'm arguing a plus one. Yeah, I mean, the restore magic spell, that that Mm -hmm. sold me because that can be really fun for some role-playing stuff. Again, not entirely sure that that'll help your friends, but it can, or it can totally ruin everything, and I think that's awesome. Greater mending, baby. All right, what do you got? I'm arguing a zero here, so say a vampire needs to pass through a space that's too well lit. Well, don't worry, I have a cantrip called Douse Light. You can put out the light for them. I can, also assi- I can also assist vampires to lure children with a cantrip called Silhouette. I think I've previously featured this in the show before, but you create a shadow play against a screen or wall. The surface can encompass up to 100 square feet. The number of creatures that can see the shadow play equals your intelligence score. So the intelligence score that I have is 16. So up to 16 people can see this shadow play. The shadowy figures, they make no sound, but they can dance, run, move, kiss, fight, and so forth. Most of the figures (laughs) are generic types, a rabbit, a dwarf, but a number of them equal to your intelligence modifier can be recognizable as specific individuals. So I'm arguing a zero here because that that can help my vampire friends. They can go ahead and get those little children Oh, you can't see it because uh, I'm only casting the shadow play uh, on a 30-foot wall and you need to move up to see it. Well, now you're within range of, uh, of the vampire's castle. Okay. Yeah, it's a good argument, but it's pretty bullshit. I'm going to say that's a minus one. What about putting out lights? Yeah, I, I'm not that impressed. Oh, Some right. wet fingertips could put out a light. Yeah, fine. All right, so moving into balance... I'm arguing a plus one here. So I have a low charisma, which would make it difficult for some roleplay opportunities, but otherwise I am a, you know, pretty well optimized wizard and I'm pretty beefy for a level five wizard as we, as we mentioned. So the strength is 10, dex is 13, con is 16, intelligence of 16, wisdom of 12, charisma of nine, saving throws and intelligence and wisdom. I am proficient in arcana, insight, intimidation, medicine, and religion, passive perception of 11, and an armor class of of 11 as well. As I mentioned, 55 HP, and my range spell attack is a plus six, and spell save DC is 14. Okay, I got no problems with a plus one on that. I'm arguing a zero myself. I over-optimized this a little bit because I really wanted to try this high dex, unarmored defense barbarian. So I got strength of eight, dex of 16, con of 14, intelligence of eight. She's just a little farm girl. Wisdom of 15, because she's had to survive on her own, and Charisma of 12, because she's so adorable. (laughs) Yes, uh, I'm okay with you taking a zero there. Sometimes it is kind of fun to explore uh, a really optimized thing instead of creating something just for the backstory. So I I get it, and you're you're forgiven. Thank you. (laughs) Moving in this week to our Smooth Operator and Spitting Fire scenario. This was written by our $10 patron, Cheyenne Harris. And it reads, you've been tasked with watching the town executioner's chihuahua dragon while he's out buying a new axe. 
you're expecting the Executioner to be back at any moment with his new weaponry when the Chihuahua Dragon scampers into the road and is squished by a giant wagon wheel. Several townsfolk see it happen, and they gasp. What do you do? So, Garen, how do you handle this? This is a tough one, but I tell everyone, don't panic, because obviously they are panicking. I say, guys, don't panic. I have proficiency in animal handling and nature. I approach the squished body and I say, I can heal this with some of my magic, but it may be at the cost of my own life, but I could not see such a sweet creature suffer this way. I then cast a spell called Gloom, which creates darkness around us for about 10 feet. It's basically the opposite of the light cantrip. It's the Gloom cantrip. And I proceed to stuff the dead dog into my clothes. I then wild shape into the Chihuahua Dragon, hop out of the Gloom all happy, and return to the Executioner's Block to await my master's return. I then spend the rest of my life as his pet out of pure guilt. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if that's smooth or like you're imprisoning yourself for the rest of your life. Uh, what are you arguing here? Yes, there's a downside to this. But as far as <laughs> yeah. handling the situation, that is smooth as shit. It is smooth. But we have to take this into consideration past just the you know first 10 minutes of him coming back home. Like you're you're pretending to be a Chihuahua dragon for the rest of your life. Yeah, so I think that's a plus one then. I lose one point for no, lack no. of foresight. No, zero, zero. It's cool. You're using some abilities, but that's zero. Come on. Because it's smooth. But then I, I imagine you'd kick yourself fairly quickly after that. I, if you had said, like, you know, years down the road, you ran away, then, I, you know, I, I give it to you. But you didn't. This is the trauma of a 12-year-old girl knowing that she let someone's pet die, and then she's just out of sheer guilt. And once you've done it, once you're locked in as that Chihuahua Dragon, then it's so awkward. When are you going to run away or whatever? You know, you just feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm still here. Yeah. I might as well just stay. You're right. So now you're going to spend the rest of your life on a leash and eating shitty food. You're right. That makes yeah. sense. Guilt makes people do really stupid things. So that's zero then. That's All a right. zero. All right. <laughs> so I'm arguing a plus one. I have the Animate Dead spell, which if you're not familiar, you know, it says that this can only occur for humanoid form, but I am a necrophage wizard so i would argue you know that i would prearrange this with the dm that i could animate the dead for just about anything because that is what the necrophage wizard does they can summon dementors and like all sorts of really scary things can just be conjured no up, you, you know? can't yeah yeah and that's you're like, just free balling this now no 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 and and honestly as you gain levels there's all sorts of really cool stuff that can come that you can conjure up. Unfortunately, the find the find familiar of an undead is the only thing I can do at fifth level. But I would imagine that I could work out and animate dead on this Chihuahua dragon so that I animate it. I do a little weekend at Bernie's until it goes back into the house, and then I would suspend the spell so that it looks like it died of natural causes once he got into the house. What? But its guts are squished out. The word squished was used in the prompt. Animate dead. No. I would hide the stomach. Yeah. I'd hide the. I'd hide the stomach. What about its eyeballs being popped out of its head? The blood oozing no out of its nose. No one said that happened. It got squished. All right, then I'll take a zero as well. I mean, yeah. All right. The but... mechanics were good, <laughs> but just the vision was a little off. So for this, in an aggressive way, I'm arguing a plus two. In a grand display, I would cast Blessed Halo. So I mentioned this spell briefly about how I would fend off vampires. But what it also does is, in addition to casting 40 feet of light, bright 
radiant light around me. It also grants me a pool of 10 points of healing, and on subsequent turns during the spell's duration, I can expend points from the pool to restore an equal number of lost hit points to one creature within the spell's bright light that I can see, which would of course be my friend Fido here, and then I would have advantage on charisma checks and, and, and the like, but here's the thing. Once that little Chihuahua dragon had reanimated, I'd cast Frozen Fog to clear the crowds to make sure that they were not present when the Executioner returned. Frozen Fog, like I had mentioned before, terribly aggressive. <laughs> it's this dense Very fog. Very aggressive, yeah. Dense fog, and it's like little tiny ice shards cutting cutting into these people. So, oh. uh, you know, you it's go. not the not the, the most aggressive thing. You know, now that I'm reading it, so maybe a plus one is more appropriate, but I do think that uh, clearing the crowd so that they don't tell anybody what happened is very important. Absolutely. I can argue a plus. You got to get rid of those people because that's exactly what I argued in mine. So I'll give you a plus one in that. Here's how I handle it. As soon as he's squished, I use my fingernails to draw blood on my leg and I shout, ah, the damn thing went mad and bit me. I explained to everyone my animal handling proficiency. It seemed like that dog had gone rabid. I then cast Rapid Inflammation on the body three times in a row so it puffs up and bursts with pus all over the road. Finally, I use Wild Shape to grow the spores on my head from my halo of spores and start screaming that I'm infected, which will make everyone clear out in a hurry. And once they're gone, I scrape the body up off the road, I find the executioner, I drop the remains <laughs> in his hand, and with my proficiency in intimidation, I say, take care of your own shit. <laughs> Yeah, plus two. I don't, you're, I don't even care what you're arguing. That's plus two. That's amazing. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you had all the right recipes there. That was good. <laughs> so go, moving on to X-Factor, would you play your little girl? Dude, Barbarian Druid, such a great combo. The Circle of Spores, I love it. I Yes, I do like this character too for what it is. I like the idea of playing a character inflicted with lycanthropy. I think that would be really interesting. And it just all around has something in every category to bring out. So, yes, short answer. How about you? Yeah, I would, I, because I love dark characters. I also like that he has this secret agreement with vampires, but he doesn't really, like, see him in person too often. And he's kind of this guy that just lives in this dilapidated cottage off the outskirts of town and has zero personal skills. And I do think that you'd have to make some tweaks in order to make this compatible with a party. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, it just straight up wouldn't be fun. But yes, and, 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 and the other thing is, uh, with this necrophagy wizard, you really get some cool, cool, unique stuff as you move on later on in the level. So uh, if you guys don't have the Midgard Heroes Handbook, arguably the best $40 that you can spend on a hardcover book or $25 on a PDF, we cannot say enough good things about that supplement. So be sure to check that out. Yeah, and I agree, and be sure to check out Saloon's Gaze by Benjamin Eastman and Matt Dunn. It probably won't be the last time you see it here on The Lab, because there is a lot of content that we haven't gotten to yet. Also, Dan, what did you think of Spells of the Shattered Temple by Ed Westwick? Yeah, so that Greater Mending, as I mentioned, was a really nice touch. Uh, there were a lot of other really unique spells in there. I think that all around you had some really thematic spells going on for this week's character, so good on you, and also uh, nice finds with those supplements. Well, Dan, unfortunately, you can't find Spells of the Shattered Temple because it doesn't exist, and Ed Westwick is just an actor who's on the show Gossip Girl. Because I got those spells from D&D &D Beyond Homebrew! Gotcha. You like D&D &D Beyond spells. You liked them. You were really into them. Yeah, because I had to be complimentary about somebody's work. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. 
yeah, admit so, it. Admit you like those D and D Beyond spells. Yeah, you had some cool ones in there. Had I known they were D and D Beyond, I'd have been far more critical. For the record, they were all very highly rated. Okay, yeah, that makes it so much better. <laughs> so let's do a drum roll here, Garen. Who takes home the Innistrad PC Championship 2018? I do. Four zero. I crushed the Grinch with Desi. Oh man, how the Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> You can got that. That's fucking dumb. Nope, leaving it. <laughs> so this is Innistrad, and all of these Plane Shift supplements are available on DMs Guild for absolutely free. They're official Wizards of the Coast content, and they're brief and easily digestible. Be sure to check them out. They are great options to add flavor to your game. Again, it is entitled Plane Shift Innistrad. Look it up on DMs Guild, and while you're there, head over to all of our stuff that we have flowing. Search Garen Jones, and then go over to our Patreon, and look at that Patreon feed. See those things that we're posting, and deny yourself that you don't want to get in on these bonuses. We're having fun. Thank you for listening to this episode. This was great, and I am looking forward to doing more Magic the Gathering stuff. Yeah, me too. And that about wraps things up for this week, specifically, Lab Rats. Look forward to more Magic the Gathering stuff coming your way next week. And just remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Have a great week, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.